must thank uh, Clayson Manella to take time out to talk to us, even before we promised we'd talk to him. Hello, Mr. Manella, spokesperson for the Department of International Relations and Corporations. How are you? Yom Shadow, are you well? I'm good, I'm good. I haven't spoken to you, in fact, in this position for a very long time. I know, it's good to be on your show. Well, thank you for taking, you know, we've been following this young lady, a lot of young people are traveling around the continent and a lot of them getting uh, invitations to work on boats and those kinds of things around the world. And I thought it was important to have this conversation because um, some of them, because they're excited to be traveling, uh, don't get their ducks in a row. So I thought you'd be the right person to talk to and tell us what they should do in the preparation Preparatory stages before they leave the country. Yeah, no. Uh, thank you for for the platform. Um, I think this is a it's a very important discussion, and uh, we've been trying uh, from the department side to conscientize South Africans mm. about uh, the importance uh, of uh, letting us know before they travel to any destination. As soon as you decide that you're going to cross the border, there are certain things that you must do. The first thing, we've got a system in the department. It's called ROSA, mm-hmm. Registration of South Africans Abroad. Okay. Um, it's a very confidential system that we have. Um, uh, you go to the website, uh, fill in a form uh, that captures your details in terms of who you are, where you're planning to go, and uh, contact numbers and all of that for three reasons. One, a lot of South Africans, when they travel, um, uh, don't realize that uh, uh, you could be uh, exposed to a number of uh, difficulties. One, there could be a natural disaster. Two, uh, there are some people who uh, have had uh, uh, the unfortunate uh, situation of getting into trouble with the law. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, uh, unfairly so, because they, they would be innocent, but uh, the issue is you'd be in trouble with the law, be, uh, be it that you are arrested or somebody that you're traveling with is arrested. Uh, in all those cases, you will need uh, the department uh, uh, to come to your assistance somehow. Now, we cannot assist you if we cannot locate you. Mm. We cannot like and we can't locate you if we don't have your information on our system. That is why uh, you you would have seen or read in the media about, uh, you know, uh, natural disasters happening and then South Africans caught up and they're not even able to find our embassies. So we've got a presence in 126 countries. That means we've got embassies in 126 countries. Mm. Uh, after registering, the second thing that we advise uh, South Africans to do is that when you land in a foreign country, uh, locate our embassy, pop in to say hello. Mm. They will help you with information. They will tell you what places to avoid, uh, the do's and uh, the do's and don'ts in that particular country, uh, because uh, these other uh, countries are not like South Africa. In South Africa, we enjoy a lot of freedoms, mm. uh, and the situation that we have here does not uh, prevail uh, in other countries. In fact, we always say this to young people, particularly those who are experimenting with drugs, mm. that you must know that in South Africa, uh, we don't have capital punishment. But in many of these countries uh, overseas, uh, for drug-related crimes, they will hang you. 
they don't even think twice about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not something you want to play with. Uh, so if you are traveling and you go to any of our embassies, they will give you that kind of information for you to know that, you know what, uh, I, I shouldn't be uh, uh, playing uh, games or such things. So um, just to, to summarize, these are the things that we advise some South Africans to do. One, register on our ROSA system for us to have your information so that when you travel and you need some kind of assistance, you are in distress, you lose your travel documents mm-hmm. for some reason, or you get in trouble with the law, or there's a natural disaster, we're able to locate you and come to assistance immediately. The second thing, whenever, whatever destination you're traveling to, please make time to visit our embassies so they can assist you with information. Now, Clayson, I know a lot of people have contacts and get very excited as well when they, they, they you know, they're doing business uh, some, sometimes with some people abroad or they're going for employment and um, that sort of thing and having business meetings with people. Is it up to the, to, to the individuals to ask uh, the embassies to check, do background checks on those people they're going to meet with or doing business with? That's the other thing, and, and, and it's an important question that you're asking. All our embassies, without fail, we've got a database of uh, the legitimate businesses uh, uh, or companies that operate in all the countries that we've got present. So if you somehow uh, on the Internet uh, internet make contact with company A in, for example, Nigeria mm-hmm. uh, or Saudi Arabia or whatever country it may be, and you want to verify whether this is a legitimate company and uh, everything is above board, our embassy will have that kind of information. Uh, before you commit to certain things and sign contracts and end up in trouble and losing money, we've got a number of cases where South Africans uh, have been uh, duped uh, into investing their hard-end money uh, in pyramid schemes, in companies that don't, that, that don't exist, that are just self-companies, in 419 scams, and all sorts of crazy things. And in fact, uh, had they just made a call either to the department in Pretoria mm. or to the embassy in those countries that they want to do business in, they would have been uh, given the information uh, free of charge and could have avoided uh, losing a lot of money. So that's the other thing. If you're a businessman and you do uh, a lot of uh, cross-border uh, business uh, with any company in whatever country, please verify before you commit your hard-earned cash. Or businesswoman, Clayson. Yes. Now you say we you say we exist in 126 countries. What what are the rules for people traveling outside those 126? So, for instance, where we do not exist as a South African embassy, or we do not even have uh, bilateral agreements with those countries. Yeah. What what we normally do is, uh, for example, um, if. uh, uh, we don't have a, an embassy in country A, and but we have a, a, an embassy in the neighboring country. Mm. The ambassador there would be accredited, accredited to the neighboring countries. For example, in uh, um, Sri Lanka, we have uh, an embassy, but we don't necessarily have a physical presence, as in a consulate on an, an embassy in Nepal, uh, in the Brunei. 
So our ambassador in Sri Lanka will be accredited to the neighboring countries. Uh, so you would get uh, the service or assistance that you need uh, as a South African from our embassy in Sri Lanka, whether you are in Nepal or the Brunei. Uh, so we would have uh, what we call honorary consulates. Mm-hmm. This would be local citizens of those countries, but uh, doing the work on behalf of South Africa. So if you're in that country and there is no embassy necessarily in a fiscal building, uh, we still have people there to offer uh, assistance and services to South Africans. Including getting visas if you decide to go to a different country while you're yes, there. Absolutely. Uh, they're able to, to process all of those things uh, uh, assisted by uh, the embassy that is accredited uh, to that country. Now, recently, and I know you mentioned young people and, and, and drugs specifically, recently I read that a lot of young black women who wear dreadlocks are now, uh, especially especially black women, and sometimes mostly who have dreadlocks, but sometimes with thick, bushy African hair, uh, are subjected to a hair check in most countries. Now, do we refuse to have these? Uh, because you may be as innocent as them all, or do do we have to go through them? What's the procedure there? Well, unfortunately, because um, there had been a period where uh, the, the syndicates that are behind uh, drug smuggling, uh, using drug mules and all of that, were using the strategy of, uh, you know, wrapping uh, whatever power that they uh, deal with uh, in these dreadlocks and hiding them. I mean, we had a case of a young South African uh, woman from the Eastern Cape, um, who is currently, by the way, still in jail uh, in Thailand, uh, being subjected to this, and they did find drugs uh, in her dreadlocks. Uh, so because of that experience and many others, uh, similar experiences, uh, they, they, they check. So if you're going to be traveling overseas, uh, my advice would be stay away from this thick uh, uh, dreadlocks because uh, you will already immediately, as you arrive at the airport, uh, be a potential suspect. Then they will interrogate and uh, scrutinize your dreadlocks and all of that. Uh, and unfortunately, when it comes to airport security, mm-hmm. uh, they don't take any chances. So you can't protest and say, but I'm innocent, I haven't done anything, it's just my hair do. Uh, they will scrutinize and check, and it can be very uncomfortable. So what sort of protection should I get into trouble? Should I get into a hospital and fall ill? Uh, should I should I be uh, I'm not feeling too secure in a, in a country while traveling? Do I, should I expect any sort of protection from our government? Absolutely, 100% all the time. We should have a, a section in the department dedicated uh, to provide that service. We call them consular services. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any South African who is in distress overseas is entitled to get assistance from the South African government. Every embassy in the 126 countries that I've mentioned, we've got officials there. Their daily job uh, is to check whether there are any South Africans in that particular country that require any type of assistance. Um, I mean, we, we, we're talking about cases from where, unfortunately, a South African dies mm-hmm. in a foreign country. That responsibility to ensure the necessary clearances are secured, working with the family to bring the mortal remains back to South Africa. Cases where South Africans... Uh, 
uh, you know, fall ill when they are traveling. That's again a responsibility. Where there are natural disasters, medical evacuations, in cases where there is a war that breaks out in a foreign country and we've got a number of South Africans, if there is a need for us to evacuate, we do that. So all of those things fall within the ambit of what we call consular services. So any South African that is in distress overseas is entitled to get support from their government. Now what I usually do is I photocopy my passport and on arrival I leave it at the embassy and use my photocopy to do should I need uh, identification at any point. Is that advisable? Yeah. This is uh, this is what we would uh, encourage other South Africans to do because in that case um, we know one that you are in that particular country mm. two uh, as part of leaving your copy there you would also leave your contact details so if anything happened uh, we're able to track you down and find you and offer you the type of assistance that you need so uh, uh, it may not necessarily mean that you have to leave the copy uh, of your passport there but at least register on our system mm. we'll have your details we'll have your passport number will have your contact numbers as well as that of your family members uh, in in case uh, there's a need for us to contact them and not necessarily you yeah because i I just leave the passport and you know in case i get mugged or you know that sort of thing at least it's a copy that goes missing and not my passport per se and because that's another because that's another thing you could lose your travel documents and then uh, we have to give you new ones so yeah i mean i like what you do Uh, it certainly works i would advise that other people should consider that too would you buy my ticket if I lost my ticket? And, and uh, would I have to refund you? Look, there, there is no government that does that. Uh, there is no budget uh, set aside to replace lost uh, travel uh, tickets. Mm. But we've had instances where, I mean, we treat every case uh, on merit. Mm. Uh, so we've had instances where, uh, I mean, the explanation and the facts suggest that if you don't come to the assistance of this particular philosophy, they'll be stuck in whatever country uh, for forever. Uh, so a judgment call is then made where you even suspend what the policy provides for. Uh, I mean, the recent example is what happened with the tragedy in Nigeria where we lost uh, many South Africans. Mm-hmm. Many of those people went there and they had uh, tickets to return, but uh, we had to bring them back uh, uh, to get immediate medical attention. And uh, I mean, you saw what government did. Mm-hmm. So where government puts aside what the policy provides for uh, to come to the assistance of uh, our fellow countrymen and women. Clayson, I'm so glad we could talk and let's continue talking because I'm sure there are lots of other issues we would need to cover. So let me know when interesting things happen and of course I'll find you when I, I need to talk to you about interesting things. But thank you so much for your time. Always a pl- uh, pleasure talking to you. And I'll see you at the airport again, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, I look forward to it. You take care now. <laughs> bye. Bye-bye. Uh, you must go to the website, a part of International Relations and Cooperation, to find more information that pertains to your particular travel. But I thought it was important to have that general overview from the spokesperson for the Department of International Relations and Cooperation, Mr. Clayson Muniela. Otherwise, on SAFM. My guest is arts and culture entrepreneur and also the founder of Gajenu Media and arts consultancy, Khaohelo Dube. Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us, Khaohelo. Thank you so much, Mama Shadow. Lovely to be on your show. Lovely to talk to you. On Friday 27th, you launched the Long Story Short project. Tell us about it. 
Um, the Long Story Short project um, is a literary project where we are getting capable performers to read short African stories, and they will in turn be digitized and available as pod- as podcasts. Why, and you say capable, is, 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 is everyone not capable of reading a story? Uh, you'd be surprised. Really? <laughs> no, what I mean is that um, because we're recording the stories, we we needed um, performers who, who can actually read the story in one take because it's a live performance. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And, and, and was it was it podcast? Um, the first story that was read, it was Cynthia Jelle's story called Tender, mm-hmm. and it was read by Fubin Boya, and the podcast will be available on Friday. This Friday, this coming yeah. Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, and it, it would be interesting to hear that story. But the, the thinking behind it is what? A, a shortage of books, maybe? Uh, and Or is it the type of stories that you handpick? And how do you handpick those type of stories? Well, the thinking behind it is just really the promotion of reading, mm-hmm. particularly African literature. Mm-hmm. So um, the stories were curated by Yewande Omotosho, who's a writer, mm-hmm. and uh, we wanted to showcase a cross-section of African literature. Um, so we have, I mean, just a, a variety of um writers from the continent from Karen Jennings is in Cape Town to Pio Mahalat and Dai Uchi from Zimbabwe so it's a really interesting mix of, of, of writing. I like the idea because we, we, we don't necessarily have those books available all the time either, either at libraries or bookstores. Is this why then you decided to put them online? Um, yes that is so um, and also because um, you know it's also a way to get people to see that you don't have to read a whole book. There are short stories, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like a, a, a more, uh, it's a more easier format to consume. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, so how do you publicize, how do you market these stories to young people? Well, right now we're really focused on, on social media and um, because these readings happen in community libraries, we do direct marketing in high schools and further education and training colleges within that area where the li- of, of the library that we are activating. Yeah, because not all communities have, have libraries or schools really. Well, actually, that's also part of the reason that this project is important because um, there's a very alarming statistic that about 92% of our public schools don't have libraries. So we felt that it's very important to push young people into their community libraries. And, and those community libraries, don't you have to then extend their working time, their operating hours? Because I think most of them close pretty early, especially on weekends unless you invite kids during the week after school, how how do you manage that process? Well, we've decided to have our readings on Saturday mornings at 11 because, yes, the libraries close early. They close at 1 o'clock. Mm. But remember, because it's a short story, it actually, ta- it actually takes about 8 to 10 minutes to read a story. And is there a discussion after the story or before the story? Yes, we do have a discussion with... Um, a writer and, and, and the storyteller after the reading. 
Okay, so when is our next one? How often are these expected? Because I know you said on Friday we're getting a tender coming out. Uh, Nozizwe, Cynthia Jela's short story. But when, uh, how often are we going to have these um, uh, on podcasts? Well, we'll be having one podcast, one reading a month, meaning that we'll generate one podcast a month. Okay, um, and, and, and do we know where to find those podcasts? The podcast will be found on the Gajenu Media website, which is www.gajenumedia.com. Okay, and what does Gajenu Media do outside of, of this project? Well, I mean, you know, we work with um, content. I used to work in advertising mm-hmm. uh, as a strategist and a market researcher, and I decided to focus my attention on the art and culture sector, supporting artists um, in, in, in branding themselves and packaging their artistic products in, in a way that they can then access funding and also, m- more importantly, sell whatever works that, that, that they, they are creating. Okay, because I'm asking you this because I'm thinking, you know, you, you're using people like, uh, um, you're using those capable people. I'm not going to call them by name. You're using those capable people to do this project. But I think it can live uh, elsewhere outside of the podcast for those that have access to books. How are you reaching those people who would like, who probably don't have access to, to, um, to computers and those kinds of things? How are you planning to, to spread it out? and hopefully get people to read more, even if it's not from your African writers that you've identified, but just read other short stories that exist. Well, Mum Shadow, you know, the thing about the project is that, you know, it is rolling out in phases. And I think the media will have to play a bigger role in this conversation around literacy and the promotion of, of a culture of reading. So we are shopping around for... Um, you know, media partners so that we can package this content to reach a mass audience. So, you know, but we're taking it in, you know, one step at a time. Yeah, we need it. We need it. It's, it's, it's needed. That's why I'm pushing you, you know, to kind of <laughs> be creative and think of other means and ways of reaching as many young people as possible. Who are your other capable people that you said you're using for, for this project? Well, it's a, it's a mixture between, um, TV actors and performers and, and theater, theater actors who actually are, in my opinion, very strong performers because they deal with that, um, element of live performance a lot. For instance, um, the next reading will, uh, the next story, um, which will be Nick Mfongo's story will be read by a theater actress called Mbali Kosidinsi. Sorry, I got stuck there. And, and you choose them simply because also they're very, uh, their names are attractive, so they attract attention. Do they have to rehearse a bit before they do the, the live read? Yes, they do rehearse, and we are working with a theatre director called Gabi Tulo just to you know, ease them into the dynamic of, you know, bridging, bridging the, the gap between. Um, actually reading and going into the performance. Mm, mm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to it and we're going to go to www.kajenumedia k-a-j-e-n-o.com you said it? That's correct. Dot com. Kaukala, if people are interested in contacting you 
to get their stories read, what do they do? Um, you can reach us through our Facebook group, which is Long Story Short, Africa, African Literature Goes Digital. Or you can send me an email at kg at gajenumedia.com. I'm so glad you could talk to us. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. All the best. Thank you, Kalkhedo. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Khao hello. In fact, it's Khao hello, Dube, uh, at Kajenu Media. And go onto their website.